Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. have such faith in that name, the ability of that name and the power of that name. I just, I just want to speak it because I know that if I could just speak it over a depressed life, a change will come. I just know that if I can speak it over addictions, that change can come. I've seen it happen too many times. Praise God. Some of you have had it happen in your own life. Praise God. Amen. That we could just speak the name of Jesus over sicknesses and diseases. That they are gone. They are healed. Amen. I know that that in our religious world today that there's a lot of a lot of churches or religions believe that miracles are gone that it's past that it's that those things are no longer a part of us but I'm telling you just in the last few weeks in our church at home we have seen so many miracles happen of people that are just healed praise God amen you can't tell me because the issue with that is that God is not dead And he said, I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I healed yesterday and I'm not changing, then I still do it today. Praise God. Oh, I love the Lord, don't you? Praise God. Amen. I'm incredibly honored to be here today. In the absence of your pastor, I appreciate him so much. He preached in our church last week. I was gone uh, out of state preaching, and he covered for us last week. And our church just loves him to death. In fact, i got to be real careful about how many times I have him come because they they want to just trade me off. I'm kind of old and and uh, past my prime, and he's still romping and going, and so they they won't trade me off. So i I got to be real careful. But I appreciate him. I appreciate um I respect him very, very highly, and I trust him uh, in our pulpit when I'm gone. And you'd be surprised at how many pastors um, that that is a big deal, is that you, you trust certain individuals when you're gone that they're not going to mess up. I don't know what he sees in me, but he does. For some reason, he invites. Maybe nobody else could come today, and so he called me up, asked me if I'd, if I'd cover for him. So I said, of course, I'd be honored. Amen. And I know that the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I know that you have uh, most likely already honored your, your pastors. And um, you have great ones. And shown them great respect and great honor. And um, you'll be blessed by that. You will be blessed by that. Amen. About three weeks ago, 
the Lord laid something in my spirit. And um, it took about a week of him dealing with me every morning in prayer about this particular uh, subject in which I want to preach on today. And, um, but he laid it in my spirit. And I know it came from him. So I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to share it with you today. Amen. And I hope you shout with me, but if you don't, I want you to catch something in what I'm saying today. Because I'm going to preach to you things that your pastor would never preach here. Because people will think he's building himself up. cannot preach this in my own church lest people think I'm building myself up God spoke some things into my heart for this pastor appreciation and if you would allow me today I promise to not be ugly and mean and all that that's not my that's not me some people think so but it's really not me honest amen I want to share my heart with you I want to preach out of this burden and this spirit that's in my heart. Would you help me? Amen. 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 Praise God. Would you love the Lord one more time together with me? I love you today, Jesus. I love you with my heart and with my soul and with my spirit today. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You can be seated today. Thank you for your worship, for your attendance. The undeniable truth is that we are in a battle. Hell has unleashed its fury against the church and the people of God in these unprecedented times in which we live. But while the battle is real and we are feeling the effects of it, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that so is revival and miracles and power and glory real in the church in these times. While we are fighting the fight of faith, we are not just holding our ground but we are advancing on the enemy and taking strongholds by force tearing them down and claiming victory in Jesus name seeing broken lives that have been shattered by hell's forces and vices made over seeing the broken made whole again those which have been destroyed by Satan are being restored by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. In greater numbers than ever in the history of the church are lives being changed through repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. What a great time, ladies and gentlemen, to be a part of God's church and God's kingdom. Can somebody 
shout yes. The battle was fierce. Amalek had come against Israel in the wilderness and Moses had instructed Joshua to choose out some men to go and fight. You must understand with me today that Israel had not needed an army for more than 400 years. There were those that were skilled in battle and swordsmanship, but they had never used them in hand-to-hand combat, combat against an enemy. So from morning until evening, the battle raged on. Israel's pastor Moses went up to the top of the hill along with Aaron and her and the rod of God. Moses raised that rod of God in his hands toward heaven, remembering the miracles that came of that rod as he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent, picking it up again and it became a rod, throwing it down in front of Pharaoh's magicians and watching his serpent devour those of Pharaoh's magician's serpents, stretching it out over the waters of the Red Sea, and the waters parted, and Israel walked across on dry ground. And just a few days ago, he smote the rock, and water came gushing out enough to water all of the people and their animals. So he understood the symbol and design. So now in the midst of battle, he lifts that same rod toward heaven. The lifting of the hands was a sign saying, God, we need a higher power to sustain us. When a child raises their arms up to their daddy, he's saying, I need you to pick me up. I need you to hold me and carry me to where you're going. So it was significant for Moses to hold his hands up as a sign to God that we need your power in this. We need your direction and guidance in this battle. We will never make it out victorious without your divine intervention. Understand with me today that the whole battle depended on Moses' hands being raised. The victory of the people not just leaders or a few select, but every person of Israel depended on Moses' hands being lifted up. When his hands became weary and began to drop down, then the battle went against Israel. But when the arms of the pastor began to feel the weight and the fatigue, when they became heavy with the burden, then the people of God began to die. Families now suffered loss, and the hurt would not be felt only by the warriors who were dying on the battlefield, but it would be felt in the tents 
of their families. So the most important task then was the hands of the pastor were never allowed to drop because he was their link between God and the victory of this battle. Their victory was solely dependent on and predicated on the pastor's hands being up. They would die otherwise. They would lose the battle otherwise. His hands had to stay up for us to have victory. His hands had to stay up for us to continue to be the people of God. Moses being human, Moses still being a man with the limitations of his manhood, his arms became weary. They became heavy with fatigue from the pressure that was on him of the battle. He too understood well that my hands being up toward heaven signifying that we need the power of God to pick us up and to carry us to where he is was of utmost importance. And when his arms became weary and he saw the battle go against the people of God, he was affected by it. The magnitude of the importance weighed heavy on him. He understood their lives depended on me being strong and sensitive to the need. So when his arms became heavy, being the leader that he was, it was almost too much for him to bear. The Bible does not say that he asked for help from Aaron and her. It does not say that he said, hey boys, my arms are heavy and if they drop, the victory will be lost. It just says that those two men saw the value and the importance of the hands of their leader being up and they saw the victory of the whole was predicated on his hands being up and they saw the heaviness and the weariness of him carrying all of the load of this battle and that it was weighing him down and so they caught the burden of what must be accomplished and one got on one side and the other on the other side and they held up the hands of Moses they understood that if I and my family are going to live free from bondage forever if we're going to have a life that was not bound by the taskmaster then I must make sure that the hands of my pastor remain lifted hear me when I tell you 
that if this church and this city are going to experience continued growth and revival, it's because the hands of the man of God are lifted toward heaven. His, when his arms became we become weary because of the load that he carries and they become heavy and start down, then you hear me. The whole church is affected by it. He must have a hair, an Aaron, and a her that will stand on either side and say, Pastor, we're living, we're lifting the burden. We're shouldering the load with you because my family's welfare is predicated on the man of God's hands being raised. Not because he asks you, not because he says, will somebody please pray for me today? I'm a need of some help. No, but because it's in your heart. lift your pastor's hands by praying for him every day. God give my pastor strength today to lead us in this fight. Whatever it is that he's dealing with today, let your strength be in him with wisdom and with might so that when he stands in the pulpit to give us direction from God, it's with power and it's with might. God, let there be no restraints on him to give us direction that you want for us, that there's a fresh anointing on him to show us the way. God, my family... And their salvation is on the line today. So would you put fire in his belly? Let my prayer and solidarity to the cause today be strength to him. Another way you lift the hands of your pastors by your faith. Or share some stuff with you today that you may have never seen before. Faithfulness to your giving and your attendance. When your pastor scans the crowd, he notices who's not here. And instantly, if he has not heard from them, he feels the heaviness of their soul upon him. That's why you can have a glorious service where people are filled with the Holy Ghost and miracles happen and lives are changed. And your pastor will go home with a heavy heart, not because he's ungrateful, but because he knows there were people who needed what God did in the house tonight. And they let a barbecue come first they let a family gathering a birthday party take God's time and they decided not to come the day was rough and I'm too tired to go to church hear me today that puts weight on your pastor's arms and when they are weighed down the whole is affected by it but the way you lift those arms is to say not with just words but with action that pastor, you don't have to worry about me being faithful. There's no barbecue or family gathering that 
much more important than God and our salvation. So we're going to be there worshiping God with all of our heart. We'll even come early to pray that God will do a mighty work in the house today. That's how you lift the hands of your pastor. Don't give in to the pressure of your day and the voices around you telling you it's not that important. It is that important. And when you cause weight on your preacher, then the whole is affected by it. You lift the hands of your preacher by being faithful. Don't you ever let the devil talk you into speaking evil of your leader. I don't like what he's doing and how he's leading us. I wish he would do this different and do that different. I don't know why he doesn't use this person who is the most qualified or why is that person still up there when I know some stuff. Listen, most of the time from your vantage point, you don't know all that the pastor knows. You don't know the hours of prayer and even counsel at times that has gone into this. Sometimes using them like they're used is their only lifeline in this place that they're going through and that pastor knows it. So he doesn't cut them off knowing that if I cut them off. They're going to lose out altogether. So he will be tolerant for a time hoping that they come through this in one piece. So I'm telling you today, don't you ever get caught up in that spirit because not only will it destroy you and your family, but it will affect the entire church community. Once you cross that line, you have crossed a line that God doesn't take lightly and you will be judged by God. God said, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Don't lay your tongue against him because God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. That's not your place. That's God's place. If he's wrong, God will deal with him but don't let it be you because you're weighing down the hands and causing effect on the whole church Moses' own sister tried it. She told him that we can hear from God the same as you do, Moses. And God said, oh, wait a minute. And he smote her with leprosy. Korah and 250 princes in Israel said the same thing. You're taking too much on yourself. We can hear from God too. And that might have been true. But God had put 
Moses there as their leader. And God said, wait a minute, Moses, back up. And he opened up the earth. And hear me, he not only swallowed up Korah and the princes, but he got their tents and their families and their possessions. I need you to understand me today that you're not only destroying your own soul, but you're taking your family down with you. If you're speaking against the man of God and causing discord in the church or in the heart of someone else that you're talking to, not only are you committing an abomination before the Lord, but you are being judged by God. If you feel at liberty to send that text or a message to the man of God and tell him how bad of a pastor he is or things that he's not doing right to please you, then you have crossed a line that offends God and God will not tolerate it. I know you may not shout with me today, but I'm preaching out of a burden in my heart. God laid this on me because your pastor will never preach it here lest you think he's building himself up. But God sent me here today to tell you he is serious about this. I cannot tell you how many times a man of God stands behind the pulpit to feed the flock of God with his heart broken and being walked on. There have been days in my life where I was going through the darkest place you could go through not knowing if I would ever see sunshine again. It would have been easier to go to sleep and never wake up than to face another sunrise and the battle that I had to fight. But I had to step to the pulpit and feed the people. No matter how I felt, no matter what was going on in me, no matter if my heart was laying on the floor over what somebody had said or done, and I had to feed them because they deserved to be fed. There have been many days that the pressure is so heavy that I have asked God to please move on somebody to pray for me today. And just a few days ago, Israel was about to stone Moses and he went to God and he said, God, what am I supposed to do with these people? They're about to stone me. But today, he's up on the hill raising his hands toward heaven saying daddy we need you to pick us up one more time and carry us to where you're going your direction is more important to us God and if we have to fight battles along the way then let's gird our loins and strap on the sword and fight because you hold up his hands by your faithfulness to God You wonder why he always admonishes faithfulness and growth and revival. Why does he always tell us 
that we need to come early and pray that prayer is so vital to our existence because he is the watchman on the wall and he sees things from his vantage point that you don't see. When he says we need to pray, it's because he's seeing something out yonder that you don't see. It's because Jay said he's seeing a danger out there that you don't see from where you are. From Moses' vantage point on the hill, he could see that battle. He saw when his men died or was wounded. He felt the hurt of the life that was lost. But he had to keep his post and keep doing what was right. Knowing that there were men on the battlefield that he never had to worry about them laying down their sword and saying, I'm just too tired. He never had to worry about them saying, I, I I wish George would do a little bit more of the load in the share. No, sir. He knew that they would be there until the finish. He knew that when the pressure got real, they would stand tall. They were faithful to their task. I tell you today that one of the greatest ways that you can lift the hands of your man of God is to always be faithful. It's to let him know by your actions you don't have to worry about me not showing up tonight you don't have to worry about me not showing up to do my part because pastor this battle is real this is a real thing and God I'm supporting you I don't understand all you understand but God has given you direction for us so I support it with my faithfulness I'm not far from being done. When God spoke to Moses upon the deliverance of Israel from Egypt oppression, God said, I want you to make me a tabernacle to dwell in. Make me a place where I can dwell, a place where I can come and manifest my power in the earth. Now we know that God is everywhere. We know that God is all powerful, don't we? He's omnipotent. He fills all time and space. This God who is the father of all things, this spirit which no man has seen or touched, nobody has ever looked at him. He said, what I would like to do is come down into the arena of your existence and I would like to come and manifest my presence in in one place it isn't that I'm not everywhere but I would like to give a manifest presence in the earth so God spoke to Moses and took him up onto the mountain called him up early one morning he said come up here because you've been saying that you want to see my glory you've been saying to me that you want to see more than just a pattern that you really want to see the glory and so the Lord hid him in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand and the Bible says that the glory of the Lord passed by and Moses saw the glory the high parts 
of God. He literally saw the dispensations from the back. He saw the eternal visage of God from the backside. No doubt that's where he got all this information about the creation of the world. Because when he saw God from the backside, he saw God from the very beginning. That's why he's the author of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. That's why he can talk about things that happened before man was created. Because there, before there was anything but God. That's why Moses can talk about that. Because he saw him from the back all the way up. So Moses being there with God is led into this glorious tabernacle. The Bible says which God pitched and not man. A tabernacle eternal in the heavens. A glorious place. A temple place for the presence of the Lord God in the heavenlies. He must have seen that experience. What Isaiah saw in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Where he said I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings and with twain he covered his face and with twain he covered his feet and with twain did he fly and one cried unto another and said holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Moses must have seen that, that they cried one to another and they were facing each other because when he got back down off that mountain God said I want you in the earth to make a tabernacle you take the things that are earthy that what you can recognize the wood, the gold, the silver the fine tapestries and I want you to build things in the earth like you saw in the heavenlies and so he did he placed them in a tabernacle that was three-dimensional. You had the outer court, the inner court, and then you had the veil, a blocking, a separation. This creates a secret place, a secret place of the Most High, a dwelling place that the eye of man cannot see without proper approach, without glorious invitation. Man can never enter there. And in that place is one single piece of furniture, and it's called the Ark of God. No wonder David told Talked about he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He was talking about that secret place of, of, the, of the, uh, the ark of God. The Bible says this ark is made out of shatim wood overlaid with coal. Then it had a cover on it called the mercy seat. 700 pounds of pure gold. And on the top 
of that mercy seat he made what he saw in the heavenlies God said that you make it see that you make it according to the pattern that you saw on the mountain Moses and so he did he made those cherubims on top of that mercy seat facing each other and the Bible says that the glory of the God of Israel did dwell between the faces of the cherubims. The ark of the covenant was a place for the glory of God to dwell manifestly in the earth. And you may think sometimes that the pastor, the things your pastor preaches to you sometimes feel like he's being a little bit too direct. But he has a mandate from God to preach it just like God gave it to him don't bring it to them pastor one half cubit different that I'm giving it to you you just let tell it like I'm telling you in prayer for in the ark was the word of God which is the direction of God there was the pot of manna which is the provision of God and then you had Aaron's rod which is the power of God. But hear me today, that ark was never intended to be carried on a mechanical device. It was never supposed to be carried by a program or by talent. I'm feeling a little urge of the spirit right here. I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody directly or if I'm preaching to the audience, but I got a word right here that I feel a prompting that I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how much money you give to the church. This church was never to be guided by talent or by programs or by money. It was to be carried the direction of God, the provision of God, and the power of God was to be carried on the show of the priest I need to tell you that God has given you a pastor that carries the direction of God for this church the provisions of God for this church depend on him following the direction of God and if there's a constant battle and weights coming against him from the people the whole body suffers but what we need in this day is some apostolic Aaron and hers who will stand beside the man of God and lift his hands if this city is going to see a revival that God has already intended for it to have if you're going to experience the power on the levels that God has already purposed for you then we need for apostolics to get beside the man who carries the direction the man of God who with that direction brings the provision of God and the bounty of God who holds the rod in his hands and the power of God is in this place lift your pastor's hands and don't be awake but honor him and God with your faithfulness had to go I got to go, I should say, out and preach last weekend. 
another state. This month is a little bit busy for me. I, I usually don't try to be gone one Sunday a month. This, this, this month's a little bit more because of the pastor appreciation things. That's not why I'm here, but I'm here to cover for the pastor. So I hope he's not mad at me. I had to go last week and I mentioned to our church, I said, I got to go and do a pastor appreciation day. The ministry team asked me to come and it's a huge honor. So would you pray that I bless them? After church, this dear sister who's just saying to church, she has no talents, no gifting, sister wisdom. She, she doesn't have any special that she offers. We got her out of the drug world. Got her and her daughter. And her daughters brings all kinds of people that we we've gotten out of the drug world. I'm talking, I'm talking stuff that that she comes to me and says, Pastor, I need you to pray. This just happened a few weeks ago, Pastor, I need you to pray. A friend of mine got shot in the head. Another one got stabbed. This is this happens all the time because that's the world she came out of. Those are the people she she brings with people to church. They're so messed up. But her mama came to me last a week ago on Wednesday because I was going to be gone. And she came to me and she said, Pastor, when are you going to be preaching? I said, on Sunday. She said, the Lord impressed me to pray for you. And to not just pray, but to fast. So she said, on Sunday, Pastor, I'm going to be fasting for you. You don't know what that does. And you probably will never know other than you got to take it from me. Because I live this. I live what I preach. The things that are said that are, you know, we feel inadequate so many times. I tell God all the time, God, I don't know why you chose me to do this. Because I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know what to do in these kind of places sometimes. Surely, God, there's somebody that's way more at I mean, look at Brother Wisdom over there. That dude is so smart. He's got all the answers for everything. Y'all are blessed to have him. I'm just a podunk. And I tell God all the time, when people remind me of how inadequate I am sometimes. They don't come to me, sister, and tell me to my face, you're going to use that phone. Send me that text. Send me an email. Because they, they won't come to me and talk to me in the face. They'll, they'll do it as a side glance. And the things that they say hurt so bad. I wonder, God, maybe I'm really not supposed to be here. 
I mean, I'm really not supposed to be doing this. Then God will send somebody along to tell me, I put you right where I want you. My first reaction most of the times as a human is I want to lash back. I, I want to defend myself. But God spoke to me. One of the first times that this happened, God spoke to me. And he said, don't defend yourself. I will defend you. So I never responded. In those texts that I've received over the years, I've never responded to them one time. I've never defended myself, sister. I, I, I never have. That doesn't make me special. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me special. It doesn't make me smarter than anybody else. It just means that God has placed me in a position to lead people. And because of that position, God has put a covering. And that covering that he's put on me now becomes a covering for you. A year ago, just before my, the day before my dad passed away, I was scheduled to preach out of town. I was on my way. I was just a few minutes away from the place where I was going to preach. And I got a call that said, Randy, dad's not going to make it. You've had the doctor on the phone. You told him all that's going on. He said he may live an hour and he may live a day, but he's not going to make it. So the first battle to me was do I go and do what God has called me to do? I'm going to go back home and stand behind the man who's been my rock. So I called that pastor. I mean, I'm, we're 30 minutes from church time. I called that pastor and I told him the scenario. I said, listen, I just have to go. My whole family's waiting on me to get there because I don't know why. It just, I guess because I'm the pastor. They, they just... So they were waiting on me. He said, no problem, go home. So I turned around and I drove home. It took me about an hour or over to get there. Walked into my parents' house and there was my dad sitting in a chair, barely able to breathe. His oxygen level was in the 40s. He was gasping for breath. This was on Sunday. I looked at him and I thought, this is my dad. This is my rock. This is my covering. This is my pastor. Even though I'm his pastor now, he's my pastor until he dies. And I watched him and he was gasping and he gasped out the words. He said, I'm going to lay down. Well, the doctor knows that if you lay him down and you're gasping for air, it just makes it worse. So we were a little bit hesitant. And then I said, if that's what will make him comfortable, we're going to take him and lay him down because he's, he's at the end anyway. 
So we got him up out of his chair and got him in a little walker that's got some wheels on it, kind of like that right there. And he sat down on it. We pushed him back to his room, laid him down on his bed. Set him up like that, almost passed. He passed out a couple of times. I mean, it was just, he was gasping. I stayed there all afternoon. And I read scriptures to him. I would like, he lived his life in this. So I read scriptures to him. I quoted scriptures. The presence of God would just fill his room. Tears would run down my cheeks and around those that were in the room because of the significance of that word in his life. Got late up in the afternoon and I had to preach that night. I preached at home. So I leaned over to dad and I said, Pops, I said, I gotta go preach. Hear me. My heart was on the floor. The last thing I felt like doing was preaching church, preaching to church. My pops was, may not be alive when I get back home. So he understood what I was saying and he gasped a few words. So I went to church, went home and showered real fast and I went to church. The last thing I felt like doing was preaching faith to that church. The last thing I felt like doing was preaching to them that we are blessed because God is blessed. That we got the blessings of God on our lives because we know God. That was the last thing I felt like preaching. And I told that audience, I said, listen, I said, this is not what my heart feels. This is what my head is saying. This is what my spirit is saying. And I preach to them about God's blessings and God's goodness. Why? Because they needed to hear the word of God. They needed to know faith could be hairs. They needed to understand. What I'm trying to tell you is that there's sometimes that your pastor will stand here and he will preach and his heart is laying on the floor and you'll never know it. There's times that he's broken. There's times he's troubled and you'll never understand him. Don't be critical. Don't be critical. Don't be critical. Don't let someone persuade you into listening to their despise and to their criticism of your man of God because it will destroy you and them too but you need to say oh no God I'm going to support my man God let faith be in his heart today let power be upon him do you think that he always wants to be away from his family no but it's part of his calling it's part of the work of God in his life and so he goes somewhere to give to God's kingdom that which God has given to you don't you ever be critical of that you say God would you bless him let anointing be upon his life let the power and the fire of God be upon his heart and upon his soul because God when he comes home let a refreshing be in his spirit because he's our direction he's our provision for our church he's the revival for our church come on church we need to lift up the hands of the man of God.
lift your hands, stand to your feet all over this room. I poured my heart into you today. It's time that we pray. If there's things that you need God to work on because you haven't appreciated him like you should, this is your opportunity to say, God, wash my heart clean because my family's salvation depends on the lifting of the hands of my pastor. time to pray first church come on it's time to pray it's time to pray I told you your pastor would probably never preach anything like this because you would think he was building himself up but I came to give you a word so that from now on you understand a little bit more of your place and his place that you understand that prayer is vital that you understand that your faithfulness is important that it affects the whole church that the whole is affected by this victory and we gotta do it together come on Aaron and her come on apostolics it's time to be faithful it's time to lift up your hands it's time to lift up your heart it's time to be a part of God's kingdom and support your pastor Help me, God, to be that faithful person. Help me, God, to be that faithful person. Help me, God, to be that faithful person, that faithful saint, that faithful warrior, God, that gives of my time and my finance, that gives to you, oh God. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.